High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. So we've, of course, been talking about this issue around providing humanitarian aid, which we know uh, to the core of us we think is important to do. But at the same time, there is a little doubt that it does remove some pressure on Hamas uh, in terms of releasing some or all of the hostages. Seth Afransman is a Jerusalem-based analyst. He's an adjunct fellow uh, for the Foundation of Defense of Democracies. Seth, a very good morning to you. We actually haven't spoken spoken on the show before, and I think that's been a massive error on our side. How are you? Good morning. Yes, I'm fine. How are you? I am well, thank you. So we've uh, we've been trying to sort of plot our way through this because on, in many ways, of course, we, we do consider the people of Gaza, but we also, uh, at first and foremost, especially because it was an unprovoked attack like it was, we've got uh, civilian hostages, Babies, uh, children, Holocaust survivors, women, soldiers, everybody being uh, the whole group being taken hostage and uh, Hamas uh, within their power to release them. And that is simply not happening. Do you think that the agreement to provide humanitarian aid is going to jeopardize these uh, the potential release of any of these hostages? I don't know if the agreement to provide the aid would jeopardize the release, but it would seem that it is incumbent on those who support humanitarian aid to make sure that the that the hostages are getting visits from the Red Cross and that they're you know being documented who you know what kind of care they're being provided. I mean, the humanitarianism which seems to go all the way, which means it should, it should go for all civilians and people in Gaza, and that obviously includes the hostages. So that would seem to be important. The the response from the Red Cross, United Nations, uh, what type of response has that been? Well, I haven't seen much of a response. I think in the end of the day, what we have to do is you, know, you have to trust but verify. So it'll only be a case we know when they actually go and meet with the hostages that that's something has actually happened. I mean, all the words in the world calling for their release or all the, all the policy statements in the world by the Red Cross – I think won't mean enough until we actually see that something has actually happened. What is happening with the, or what is our sense of uh, the, in terms of what's going on with the regular person in Gaza? A lot of my listeners are saying, well, you know, we're not hearing, uh, we don't hear condemnation of Hamas. Uh, we don't even know that they don't support Hamas. We know that there was celebration uh, on the streets of Gaza when, uh, when these horrendous attacks took place. Do we have any sense of what is really – we know that Hamas is, is rules with an iron rod. That we know. But do we have any sense of how uh, – what the feeling on the ground is in the streets of Gaza? Uh, no, I don't think we do know because these people are prisoners. They've been held by Hamas for, you know, since 2005. The international community and everyone has basically allowed the Hamas to keep them in a prison. So they are not able to protest. There's no doubt that some of them support Hamas. I mean, back in, two, back in 2005 or the 90s, you know, Hamas had a lot of popularity in Gaza. So it's now had 14 or 15 years or what have you to rule the area. And it's caused caused lots of atrocities. It's caused lots of suffering. And I don't think the people there seem to have much alternative. And considering the fact that a generation of them have been raised now in a Hamas education system, 
that is also another, you know, violation of their basic rights. I mean, because Hamas runs training camps for kids to try to give to put weapons in their hands. So, you know, all of this is a is a disastrous consequence of an international community that has allowed this organization to thrive and, and continue to commit crimes. Is does Israel have an alternative in terms of going into Gaza with troops on the ground? There's always an alternative to going with troops on the ground. I mean, it's obviously unacceptable that any organization or country or terrorist group or, or mafia or criminal group can kill a thousand people and then just walk across the mm, border and mm. they get they get they get away scot free. So I think it's obvious that every country has a right to track down. I'm not talking about the. I'm not talking about a right. I'm saying, does is there an alternative? Because as time goes on, it's certainly taken uh, a while. We would have assumed that by now, uh, Israel would have entered Gaza. It hasn't yet. Uh, Does this mean that they are looking at alternatives? I assume it does mean that they're looking at some alternatives. The problem with Israel faces is that there is an Iranian-backed terrorist group in the north of Israel that has been attacking Israel every single day since October 7th. It's obviously coordinated by Iran. So, and Hezbollah, oper- you know, is a much larger organization. So I think that, therefore, you know, Israel has to weigh: does it? How is it going to fight this two-front conflict? And I think that's the big question mark in terms of trying to do both at the same time. Would they need to wait, do you think? I mean, we, I, I certainly assume they would wait until uh, President Biden left. They wouldn't want to uh, begin this type of uh, incursion whilst he was there. Uh, now we're hearing, of course, about these uh, about humanitarian aid. We're hearing about uh, the British Prime Minister's visit. Uh, does this delay it, or, or, or will this have no relevance to when Israel decides eventually to push ahead? I assume it does have some relevance. You're right, because it can't, it's hard to fight a massive war when you've got all these world leaders there on the ground. Mm. On the other hand, outside the coin, obviously the solidarity is very important for Israel to get these, to get all these kind of countries on board with some sort of sanctions against Hamas and, and spread the message that this is not going to be acceptable in the future. So, and also to send their message to Iran, of course, that it, it just cannot start another front to this war and get away with it. So all those things hopefully are coming together at the same time, and then we'll have to see you know, what happens when all these solidarity visits are over. I think the French president is also coming. Mm. And well, there seems to be little doubt that Biden's trip was uh, significantly focused on Iran as well. The moving of uh, the the U.S. military into the region, personnel as well as aircraft carriers, must be a very clear sign to Iran that if they get involved, they're going to uh, they're going to escalate and uh, and draw the United States into it. Yes, I mean, it's all seem that this is part of an Iranian plan that was hatched probably a while ago. You know, Iran has met with Hamas leadership in Qatar, and they have tried, they have pledged more cooperation. So I think there's a lot of concern that there could be a regional conflict. You know, that Iran is trying to, trying to exploit the fact that there was kind of peace in the region over the last few years, and they want to pledge, pledge the, plunge the region into violence and, and terrorism again. Absolutely, and that is where we leave it. Seth Fransman, who is the, a Jerusalem-based analyst and adjunct fellow for the Foundation of Defense of Democracies at 730.